Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast, Boxhead. How was your long weekend, buddy? It was good. Bit of footy, a few brewskis. Bit of chocolate, mate. No, not a lot of chocolate. No. Not a massive chocolate fan. You're not big on chocolate, mate. No, I am not. Well, we have a stash that could probably last about three months, and it's going to be slow progress. Yeah, so do I. Very slow progress. My wife uh, will have to eat the majority of them. Little girl's been eating a few as well, so, yep, good times. That was the highlight of the weekend for mine. Kids, Easter, Christmas, all these things the last few years, really enjoyable. Yeah. Even with the birthday cake, I got more joy out of watching the kids wanting to blow out the candles than when you do... And spit all over your cake. For all the occasion where you're like, oh, you know, I'm old now, this isn't fun. With the kids, it just makes everything better. All those days are better with kids. Yep. Good fun. You can come around and wipe their ass at 2am. <laughs> no, not that See side. how fun it is. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean those occasions. That's why I don't yeah, have a kid already. You guys are in and out. But for the occasions. But, yeah. Another week of the 5th and last NRL podcast, as we said, brought to you by Bluebet. Aussies love a true blue company, and they are 100 Aussie percent owned. Get on board with Bluebet today. Australian bookie. And uh, revive the charity account. Unfortunately, I lost last week. We got on the Titans, hoping they would uh, put a decent fight we're up. Gonna, we're either going to go Titans or Warriors, and they're both as disappointing as each other. Yeah, well, I think Titans more so. They had enough ball to win the game, but couldn't really get the job yeah, done. But end of the day, one down. Hopefully, we can find a winner this week. But let's kick things off with our set of six. And tackle one in our set of six this week is the 18th man. It's in. It's been confirmed. The parameters around it have been confirmed today. So the three HIAs was the original idea with a development player. They've now added to that foul play. So if a player, such as the situation of the Madison uh, one a couple of weeks ago, the Kafusi is taken out of the game due to foul play and has to leave the field, or the other player is binned or sent off as a result, you can bring in the 18th man, and it is now a top 30 player, not mm. a development I, I don't player. like it. I think it should be put on report. I think if you put on report for something uh, that is deliberate, and his foul play, I think you should get an advantage out of that. There's no advantage to the side who is infringed against the following week if that player's rubbed out for two or three weeks, similar to the, I guess, the Kafusi-Ryan Madison one. Like, he gets, what did Kafusi get? Two weeks? Parramatta got no advantage. They lost the player in that game. They should have been able to activate their 18th man. Kafusi wasn't simbined. No. So in that situation, Parramatta would get Zippo. So I don't like that part of the rule, but 
that's poking holes in it. I, I like that it's in. All this rubbish around, you know, it's going to be exploited is crap. Uh, the parameters around it are fair. I like it. I Apart like from, you know, the, a few little holes, which I think they'll get ironed out. At least the rule's in now. Like, there's some some sort of rule in And all this right. bullshit about who it is, every team warms up an 18th man. Yeah, well... So, nothing's going to change. It just means that 18th man now doesn't go and have a shower. Nah, he puts on a bench. bib on, and if he's activated, he's activated. And most teams would be hoping... You roll that around every week. Yeah, most teams would be hoping for that weekend that obviously... If that player is not used, that their cup game is the day after, or vice versa, they can use them. If not, they're going to do exactly what you well, said. Well, look at like our situation at the moment. Like the Bulldogs are injury stricken, so at the moment we're playing the 18th man for New South Wales Cup is playing half a game of Ron Massey Cup, and then sitting on as 18th man because we know more than likely they're not going to they're not going to get on. So it just, it just is what it is. Act like it's going to be this big thing that can be taken advantage of. Like you can have a again, fucking international as your 18th man. We talked about it the other way. You pick your 17. You're not hiding an 18th Please. man. And no different to what we talked about. Oh, I think it's kind of got away from the whole point in the first place, which is more for... They've the, got, the, the protocols have got stricter. Right? So the, the concussion protocols have, have been tightened right up. Players go off now if they wobble. So they had to adjust the interchanges. This horseshit about... Oh, in the good old days, we never used to have interchanges. You know, and, oh, and in, in the good old days, once you're off, you're off. Well, the game's not the fucking good old days anymore. No. The game is what it is now. And the restrictions around concussions place a lot of pressure on uh, other players because that workload falls back. And the game isn't like it used to be. No. It's much faster. It's much more physical. It's much more demanding on the players. So, it, and it, it ruins games. Look at the Parramatta Cronulla game. It just absolutely robbed Cronulla of any chance of, of competing in that game when they were playing quite well, I thought, in that game, Cronulla. So it, it, to me, it just makes sense. Get on with it. People that are bitching and moaning about it and want to look in the revision mirror, get on with it. Yeah, I still think, for me, the foul play thing, I can understand, similar to what you've said, but I just think we got away from the whole point of why we brought up the 18th man situation when we first talked about it, which is for concussions and the HIA. And the fact that's that, the point. The fact it's going to take three head knocks to be able to get the availability of that player when somebody is taken out and they're going, oh, people will fail a test. You, you won't fail the test on purpose. Players aren't failing HAs on purpose because they have to go through that protocol. But the player that wobbles or the player that blacks out, they don't even have a test. No, they're gone. Like, well, they, they have a test, but they're ruled yeah, out through got, the criteria around yeah, the protocol. That's, that's what, what Kurt Mann, People don't understand. That's what happened to Lewis. There's certain parameters around it. Same as when Munster, they said, passed the HA in origin, but because I think he hit the deck... Or whatever it was last year, he wasn't allowed to go back up. Yeah, if your eyes roll or you wobble, or there, or there's certain criteria around it. Yeah, there's rules around it. But I just think, yeah, in the end, they've come up with a rule. I still don't think it's really addressing the main focus of what it should have. It's not. It's too hard to access it for the purpose of three head knocks. Um, and yeah, the foul play thing, I've still, yeah, more a journey beat up like we've already spoke about. The guy, you who you're stashing at 18. Blokes have got injuries and issues already. No one's hiding someone at number 30 that they magically want to force into the game. No. It's, I really don't see it getting exposed, but there's a rule in. Uh, there's more parameters around it now, as we said, and confirmed. It's going to be a top 30 player, not the development player. So there will have to be something structured for most clubs around it in regards to, as you said, depending on minutes or rotating players through that spot to make sure you're not having someone consistently miss out on playing at least cup every week if you're going to have someone be in that spot. Tackle two as we move on. The Roosters and the debut of Sam Walker reassessing after what we've seen. Uh, for the first time, 
I'm just going to throw it. Same thing I said last week when some people said they would miss the eight. I thought even before he played a game, tell me half the teams that are better, as I said last week. There's not eight teams exactly. better than what the Roosters have got. But from what we saw on the weekend, you can understand why uh, they were confident in playing him. He more than showed his worth up against a decent forward pack. And I know the Warriors were affected early on by Fanuel Blake and they've lost one or two of their own early on. But uh, you couldn't have asked for much more, I don't think, from an 18-year-old in a debut halfback at that club, that situation and that type of situation. And, and if anything, you expect him to get better over the next few weeks as he gets more comfortable. And as they get players back in, we saw Radley on the weekend, Cordner at that midpoint. Verrills has obviously had the setback four to six weeks, so... To get him in there, Liam potentially you'd think would be more than likely his partner over Hutchinson once things are, are good to go and his knee's right to go. And Lindsay Collins missed uh, obviously this week as well. So once they're rolling, he's had a few weeks in the system. I know he, got, he probably got a lot of help on the weekend, which you could see early on and build his way nice into the game. But um, look, look at that again. I, I stick to what I said last week. I can't see them missing the eight. I think their premiership threat, again, is probably out of the question. But there's no way they're not better than at least eight to ten of the teams still in this competition. I agree. And him individually, what did you think? I thought he went really, really well. Steered the side around, kicked well, defended well. They ran a lot of traffic at him. He controlled the match, and it was a perfect debut. thought mm-hmm. he looked competent and comfortable in the NRL mm-hmm. against a side that's, you know, mugs the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And a lot was spoken about, you know, not playing last year and his background and his dad and his uncles, except like you couldn't have had a better grounding in football. Yeah. And we talk about now halves not being natural or, you know, too mechanical or not being able to break out of structure. He's had the complete opposite side of things with the Walker brothers, one of them being his dad, the fact of what they did at the Jets for all those years where they didn't have a feeder team or they had less money than everybody else. The year they won it, you know, four or five years ago, whatever it be now, was the big publicised point that they were playing you know, two, three hundred less than most of the clubs that had big feeders and no NRL players, but encouraging their players to play with their skill, move the football around, play to space, you know, all those things you could see sort of ingrained in him. But now with the polish of an NRL system, a coach like Robinson, they talked to Cronk yesterday and even he said, I'm not changing things about him. I'm just trying to get him to understand why. Why is he doing some of these things? And when he realises that, he'll be even more dangerous because he's got a lot of the natural skill that someone, as he said himself, does not have. Mm. So with more time and fingers crossed, no injuries, touch on wood because he's had a couple of shoulder reconstructions in his early age groups come to the grades. Hopefully they're going to have a hell of a player on their hands. Absolutely. But yeah. I was no, with you. There, there was a few quality touches there. There were some good signs, but better than anything, I guess, more the second half as he got more confident and got more touches. I just thought, yeah, it's really, really good signs. Really, really good signs. Looking forward to watching him play more football. Yeah, I agree. Moving on from that, tackle three, the new coaches and how they're going. We're going to have a quick run through all the new coaches and the situations. Nathan Brown at the Warriors, uh, good win last week, hard week this week, good win round one against the Titans. It's been a bit up and down, I guess you could say. Uh, they're playing a fairly simple style of football. You've got to cut some slack for the fact that they've had to relocate again. They've had a split preseason. They've had players in New Zealand half here. They come together late, which is part of the reason we defended him when we're talking about the All-Stars game and their focus is to try and get ready for an NRL season, which is already under duress and harder circumstances. Injuries haven't been kind either, I guess, so far. You lose Fanua Blake on the weekend, Aiken week one, Chanel Tavita-Harris. Um, but overall, what do you think so far? I think they've been solid without yeah. without being outstanding, but for the most part, 
they've had the effort and they've been in all their games, but I guess similar deal again. L- losing players doesn't help. No. No, but I, I agree with you. They've been solid without being yeah. fantastic. I still think there's a few moves that need to be made, and we've obviously seen the huge blow that's coming next year with Roger Tuivasa-Shek. They've got Reese Walsh, who's potentially hmm. coming to them this year to be able to work with Roger and prepare for life after, but I still look at the fact of what I've said last week and the week before with a lot of the possession inside 20, I think all four of their key position players right now are runners. Well, he's won them a game. Roger won them the Canberra game with that play at the end, mm-hmm. and he was unreal in that game. So he he's going to be a significant blow. Like the, the kid that's coming from Brisbane will obviously potentially be as good, but we, we don't know that. So, yeah, I, yeah they're, they're going okay. They're going to be around the eight. I think they're about where I thought they'd be. Yep, and some good news today with the travel bubble opening. I'd assume that if things stay solid, hopefully there'd be an assessment of them being able to come home and travel back and forth. Yeah, I maybe Maybe not immediately, but maybe once things have settled in, if we go a few weeks with everything being all well and good yeah. between that travel bubble. So that could be even better for them, being able to finally get back home. I guess on the flip side, though, we used to talk about the extra layer for them of having to travel and do international and lose a day in there. There is two sides to that. So that's probably been a little bit underestimated when last year they were here locked in on football, football only, and we saw them play quite a brand of football. But I'd say, yeah, he's done a pretty good job so far and they're, they're pretty steady. Hook Griffin. Most people, uh, include myself, had him at the spoon, just a lot of questions around a lot of players, where they were going, recruitment signings. Three in a row. Yeah. Uh, we'll throw out, you know, not to shoot it down, but it hasn't been against the greatest of teams. They got two teams that are obviously no. They've won the game. They've won against the opposition in front of them. Yeah, they should have won. And on the weekend, I thought they were right in that game, and the injury certainly helped their cause. But yeah, it did. I guess the biggest thing since the Charity Shield, you got to give a wrap to, is the effort, the intent, and the defensive side of the ball. They're a hundred times better than what they've been the past two years. Yeah. Um, and he's got some confidence back in some of those players. Like I said, I had question marks over, including Ben Hunt before his leg, Norman's last two weeks, Sims last year with the injuries and all that didn't look that great. He had an absolute corker on the weekend. Um, he, he's getting the best out of what he's got there, which is really, really good signs for Dragons fans. And I guess after three wins and what they've gone through, they'll get a real test this week up against Parramatta. So, uh, again, wheeling and dealing. Talk about them trying to get a trade for Billy Burns from Penrith to get an extra back rower in there, which would possibly allow them to move Kerr back to the middle. They've been linked to Fafita if they can get the Sharks to take up half the freight. Now they're linked to Maguire, another one of his ex-under-20s players from Brisbane, Apparently the Cowboys have got some interest in Adam Clune if he was willing to go because he's off contract this year. It's an opportunity for him to move there, which could trigger another move in Clifford being able to go early to the night. So not only are they starting off solid and getting some guys back to form and playing some good football and doing the little things right, but they're also trying to make moves to improve their roster. And at the expense of a lot of other clubs chipping in money, which is obviously very, very handy if you think you can get value out of someone and get a club to pay some coins. So... So far, you'd have to say, you'd be pretty happy if you're a Dragons fan with the way things are going. Yeah, they've, but. three games they should have won and they've, they've got the job done. So they'll, um, they'll run into you know, some better opposition, I think, over the next few weeks. So. Yep, and the first one with the Eels to start off, Todd Payton. We already spoke about the last few weeks, the comments, the injuries and all the issues, <laughs> and it uh, didn't get any better on the weekend. And, and the sadder part, again, you issue those challenges or you have the situation you've had so far and looking at what reaction you get, it reflects on what we said before about, you know, it's not just the coach, it's also the playing group, but it certainly looks like it's come back to bite him 
very, very early in the piece here with... Yeah, I, copped a bit, I know I copped a bit of criticism and some people didn't overly agree with what I had to say in the, in the uh, I guess, post-round one podcast, but I stand by it. I, I think it was a, a really... Oh, just dangerous move, I would call it. Throwing players under the bus that early in the season, senior players... Uh, the, the fact I, I think I'm going to call bullshit on the fact he says that he's Jason Tamalolo should only be playing 50 minutes he should be playing 60 at least he's your best player you're paying him a million dollars a year you need him on the field so the fact that they signed him to a 10 year deal or whatever it was Peyton didn't sign him to that deal so his the, the player's long term welfare like an extra 5-10 minutes a game isn't, isn't going to impact him long term they know how about you stop training the fucking shit out of him running the piss out of him. That, that's what's going to extend his career. The amount of kilometres that he's doing during the week to you know tick the boxes for some sports signers. Mm. So what they really need to do is is manage, I guess, how effective he is to a certain point. And wherever that red line is, that, that's when it's the time to get him off. But, you know, he threw him under the bus for not chasing hard enough at marker. Like, they've got much larger issues than players not chasing hard enough at marker at the moment, the Cowboys. So, you know, they, they leaked, I think, 30-odd points in about a 15-minute period on the weekend, and it was embarrassing the way they defended. Mm. And, like and, said, and it's starting to look like the players... Not that they're not trying, but there's just little elements there that are seeping in that are just not conducive to good culture or to, to winning football. Mm. And it speaks to two things, like we said before. Paul Green was apparently out because things had grown stale and you've got plenty of senior guys there or some guys that should be pulling their weight that aren't pulling their weight. So it's partly on Todd Pate, but it's also probably pointing to that there needs to be a massive rebuild of that club, whether yeah. it be McLean, Hess, who was not delivered. McLean took that option last year on his deal, no surprise given COVID and the fact that no one would have paid him anything close to what he's on right now. The Holmes thing so far, whether he's unhappy with the position he's playing, didn't have the greatest of years last year. Granville, like there's still a lot of guys there that you'd think would be definitely getting moved on at this stage. But with the way things are playing out, the way things he's handling, you've also got to look long term as you're getting at the way you handle things as to how you attract players to come to the club if you are going to do a knockdown rebuild. Yeah, that's another side of this. Uh, North Queensland are in a very uh, interesting position and it's going, to, it's going to be one to watch moving forward. The Michael Morgan thing, a specialist appointment apparently this week to see if he retires. Do they let Clifford go to Newcastle? Apparently they're going to be asking if that's a possibility. I just said about Clune is part of a potential deal where Maguire's basically been told he can leave straight away. There's some you know, words behind the scene. They've had some issues against each other and uh, he's very much happy for Maguire to leave immediately if he possibly can. So uh, not a great start. And no, not a great start at all. Very interested to see. They've apparently got some interest in Mo Zimbai, which just, I don't understand that. Where, where are you playing him? Yeah. Same issue at the Tigers. Even if they pick up half the freight, like what, what position are you going to play him at? Mm. No, I, I, I don't know. I don't, don't know. know. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I Adam Reynolds thing for a million dollars. Like I like Adam Reynolds, but I already said before, I can see South's situation salary cap-wise, but also for me on the open market. If I'm the Cowboys, a million dollars for Adam Reynolds doesn't change anything for me. No. I don't think he takes a team by the scruff of the neck and is the driving force or the steering wheel that dominates a game. I think he plays well off the back of momentum. Guys around him, he steers a team well, he kicks really well, he does his job. 
but I'm not sitting there going a million dollars for Adam Reynolds is a good idea. I'd be going and getting him for a million. Hundred percent, I would be. Yeah, we're on the same boat there, but yeah, not a great start, and it'd be very interesting to see how things play out with that roster. A lot of the things that are going on, rumors around some big name players, and some people have gone as far to say that even Tom Oliver's not happy, and he wants to find a way, which I just find near impossible. Mm. I don't know how that would ever shake out. That if you had a lifetime basically contract for somebody to pick up that deal, redo that deal, get like he's not going to see the same sort of money if he got out of there. Yeah. Or any sort of length of that deal, but. Yeah, lots of noise that he wouldn't have been hoping for after a big preseason and thinking, you know, he basically knocked the Warriors' job back. That's the other thing you take into account in this, thinking this situation was a better situation and where he wanted to set up. Um, he might have bit off a little bit more than he could chew or not understand the situation. Um, and now you're looking at someone like Paul Green. the situation. You knew the roster they had. I more mean like the Paul Green thing where people are going, oh, it's just growing stale. Well, I so think- what are we blaming Paul Green for? What no, I'm in. Paul Green. I'm saying the bigger problem here may lie within that group and it's going to take longer than he thought it would take. the job he was taking. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But Kevin Walters, fourth of the new coaches in the Broncos, got the win against the Bulldogs and then reality check again straight away this week up against Melbourne. Yeah. Heavy loss. Had one little moment there where Xavier Coates They've been gets... bashed by Melbourne for years though. Yeah. Standard. Yeah. It's just, it is what it is at the moment. There's a big gap between... The sides, so the dropping of Brody Croft after a win confused me. Then to play Dearden, yeah, I don't know. Off a win, I don't understand how that would have done any good for his confidence in that circumstance. If he stuck with him the week before and only gave five minutes to Tom Dearden, recruitment the other issue facing them right now. They've gone in hard to keep Piakura, who hasn't played a game yet. So potentially there, you're looking, hoping that you haven't paid overs, but you paid overs probably early if someone hasn't played a game. The Xavier Coates situation, they're revising their offer with five clubs after him at this point in time. So, you know, how far are you willing to go? And then the Katoni Stag situation, which just escalated off the back of offers, the biggest threat of which being the Titans, who were apparently talking to him to be a 5'8", which has then kicked up the price tag a little bit more, which then they've thrown back in the situation where you can play 5'8 for us as well. So it's now at about $750,000 and him potentially yeah, playing number six. I'm not keen as a Titans fan to sign him as a 5'8". Not at all. He's, he's never played this bullshit about, oh, I'm, I'm a 5'8". Come on. It's, yeah. And I, look, you're, what you said was right. It's it's a money grab. It's to get more money. You get him there and play him there at 5'8 for a couple of rounds and then he'll be back in the centres because he's a centre. Well, I almost think from the Titans' point of view, even if you were that keen to get in there, is a little bit of a ploy to them to jack that price up to get the Broncos paying a little bit more there because they're obviously competing also on the same market for players and winning that interest in juniors and guys in general now as well so it's not a bad move I think on the Titans side of things because if they were being serious even if they're not being serious they're getting Brisbane as are a lot of clubs right now with their situation to get players you know to uh, question whether they want to be there and not take unders like they used to to be a Bronco so there's three or four guys at the moment they've gone in real hard and heavy for and they're spending up big money they're not going to be able to get out the market and address any problems and then again this whole group was supposed to be the turning point or what was going to take the club forward and it hasn't been the case so far. There seems to be a lot of people that aren't delivering on the potential or the dollar value uh, that's coming with them and Dearden's still linked to the Cowboys. Uh, That's a situation they've got to sort out, what they're doing with Milford and as I said before, the rumour today that they've let Reese Walsh go and traded with the Warriors for Paul Turner who's another half, young guy coming off contract when you've already got a situation where you're not settled on your half. So if that ends up happening... Well, I, I don't know how the message gets any clearer. At some point, you just need to say, Deard, like Dearden, of all of them, 
he's either your future or he's not because he's not off contract right now. Yeah, the only way you make a decision on that is you're playing. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think it's very obvious to me, even though I don't think he's been terrible, he still hasn't been great, but I think it's more just the easy target every single week is that Milford's not going to be there for a million dollars next year and I just don't think he's going to be there in general. Croft, I don't think, is the answer. But they're going to have to play one of them and I think the obvious one to play is Dearden. Who you play with him, that's up to them. Mm. I'd be more inclined to play Milford, in all honesty, and use Croft as, say, a 14 or the role they sort of used Pakes for last year. But if they're getting poor turnover now, you're bringing a fourth guy into the mix who's young, obviously looking for game time or they're looking at him as a possibility there. So... You just add another half of the mix. You're blurring the lines even more in a situation that you're already unclear on. Mm. So very interesting for the Broncos. Very interesting. Yeah. And, uh, Kevy looks very stressed already. And the last one, Barrett. Early doors at the Bulldogs, three-game scoreless. Uh, Allen brought over on big money from South. Already moved to the wing. This week he's been named at centres. You've got Hetherington. I questioned that one at the time, you know, saying basically... For the three or four weeks that he's half decent, he's always one tackle away from getting suspended. And I'm very surprised he... I don't think he even got a charge this week. But there's a, there's a few moves that are looking questionable. You've got Fox coming next year. You've still got Burton. I think they've made a mistake in banking on that move because in the end, you've got Flanagan. I like Avarillo there. But all the other options around him or if they were looking at an experienced head was early doors, the talk of Benji coming because his brother was there and been able to have an older head guide them through that situation. Looking at that now... They possibly did make a mistake not bringing an older head on board to help out and kind of steer him through this year. Because I don't see him getting Burton. No, but Burton, Burton's not a leader. So he's not going to... He might he might help them from an ability perspective. He's not going to help them from a leadership perspective. No. Uh, they've got injuries and they've got just a lack of quality. Simple as that. Yeah, but you... And that creates a lack of depth and that... You know, they've got a losing culture there at the moment. It's going to take more than a new coach and a pre-season to get things firing at the at the dogs. They just need to slowly turn the wheels over and, you know, work out who, who they want to keep and then work out who they want to move on and just make sure that everyone that they move on, they replace with a better player. That's, that's how they're going to get better. It's mm. as simple as that. And they need to make sure that when they do purchase a better player that I don't pay overs for them. Well, that's my or point. Or too, too far. You're going to have to pay overs, I guess, to an extent mm. because players are always going to take a little bit less to play at a better club. But they need to make sure that they use their TPAs to the full extent that they can. And yeah, they just just need to make sure that they're not playing ridiculous money for, for players. But they're going to have to splurge out on you know, one or two to get other players to come. It's always that, um, I guess, that avalanche effect, isn't it? Like, it's the first rock to, to tumble often triggers, you know, three or four or five more coming. So mm. I still think you need to see something on the field, which we're not really seeing right now. Um, but but how is that going to change? Because the quality of players are going to change. Well, they clearly felt that Allen was a good player and Hetherington and those guys are better than what they had because they've put a decent whack in there. Mm. And you've paid big money to get Kotrick over, who, again, I, from his point of view, the money didn't seem like a huge difference. It was maybe 50 to 100 grand a year. I, I think for him it would have been a smarter decision to stay at Canberra, but obviously he's made that move. They've addressed outside backs and halves before they've addressed a forward pack, which we've said a million times. 14, 15 off contract this year. The 
two areas that need to be fixed is the forward pack and the nine. Mm. But there's not a lot of quality out there at nine, so I really don't know what they're going to do. Fords, there's definitely some upgrades you can make there, but going back to the same point again, are you going to be paying overs to get people to even consider coming to you and how far do you have to go to get them to come to you? Um, and the one name that was thrown up or the first forward we heard they were chasing was Pyro from Broncos, who's not played a game of first grade and they threw the kitchen seat to get him. Like, that's the concern for me. So Talk about it every week. It's not going to change. There you go. All the new coaches, all at different spots. A few guys struggling at their new clubs. Brown, like we said, probably middling right now. the reason they got the job is because the team's struggling. And uh, Griffin, obviously, things looking good so far, but a real test coming up this week. So on to tackle four. And speaking of other situations that have escalated quickly, the Manly situation and how it got to this point. They only re-signed him a couple of weeks ago off the back of a massive loss. Talking about length of contract, clauses, performance clauses, this, that. Now they're now they've got their owner coming back from New York, for Christ's sake. And they're talking about getting a consultant in, whether it be Paul Green as a sounding board or Shane Flanning or this, that, and the other. Like, a sounding board for what? Exactly. It's the same issue. They've, like, they've got a lack of quality. They've top-ended their roster. Do you really think Des Haslow is going to want to bring in they're somebody? They're paying a guy that's got a pending court case. It's just, there's, there's a whole heap of things there that are just off. I just don't, wrong. I just don't understand how you think someone like Haslow is such a control freak, got his hands over everything. And you've just extended him, even under the circumstances. They've got beat by 40 and you got an extension. Would want to have another coach who's clearly going to be looking for a job come in and work with him. Or, you know, that that to me just makes no sense whatsoever. But the extension in the first place, I said a few weeks ago, why are they rushing to extend a guy mm. that's, you know, somewhat made his own bet in this situation? Because he's been back there. He has a big say in what they do salary cap wise like people saying they shouldn't have let Fanua Blake go well hello it was for salary cap reasons the Tapio thing right now is partly because in 12 months time again for salary cap reasons they're not going to be able to re-sign him or extend him or pay him anything similar to what they've got right now so he's looking like he's on the out and we all know the three obvious contracts that have taken up the biggest amount of money and the two Trevojevich brothers Walker's on a fair whack obviously well, Cherry Evans and you know I think Walker re-signed for less because he was he's off. Still, he's still on over for what he's given him. Oh, I think for the situations that he's been in the last few years, though, his deal compared to what it was. But they're just not in a great spot. And I know people have compared, oh, they did the Melbourne model, though, where they paid those few guys and they stuck some guys around them. Yeah, but the three guys they paid, paid overs for aren't immortals. No. Nah, well, one's never on the field. One, I don't think, you know, ever really justified the length and size of the deal that he's got in Cherry Evans. Yeah, he, look, he's an elite player, Cherry Evans, but he's on too much money. Yeah, and that really messes up salary cap. Yeah. And the decisions you make, like you said again, about paying a nine who you're going to put pen and court case or loading up as they did onto power or upgrading Adam Fanua Blake to the point where they looked at it and thought, well, we can't manage this in our salary cap, so they're basically going to trade in, trade out for LOA on, on a good deal, but nowhere near as much money. You're just crippling yourself. Yep. Part of it's junior development as well. I, I still don't think they're seeing the fruits of the labor that they would have hoped when they started basically just loading up and poaching from Penrith para Bulldogs areas a few years ago to have successful junior sides because they basically have no juniors. They uh, want to win They want to win ball and mats comps. They've seen Schuster is one of the first ones to come in. To think that, that what they're doing at mats and ball level is going to translate to the NRL is ridiculous. No. Look at their Jersey flag results. 
The flex yeah. side gets lapped. It's not translating too well. It's not. But for all the work they've put into that area to try and think, okay, well, if we can't But they haven't them, put in work. They've no, just gone they're just and... buying and getting players and sticking them in there. You're not really putting a whole lot no. to get them through, no. but I think they, they need to have a complete rethink right now about how they're doing it. The, the hard part is that they, they can't get out of this quickly even if they want to. Mm. The Cherry Evans deal, I'm not sure how many years are left. I don't think anyone really knows the length of that deal when that finishes. I'd have to look it up. The two Turbo deals were both redone only last year or the year before. I think they're both on at least four or five-year deals. So minimum, you've almost got 30% plus of your salary cap taken up by three players for the next three to four seasons. And just the whole way, even... Looking at, oh, you know, you're getting value out of this guy, you're getting value out of this guy. Well, they're fringe players or they're lower-paid players for a reason. They're not going to be consistently delivering. And if your best players aren't delivering and you can't get the best around those around them and you've got no depth, you're always going to be in a hole. Correct. But they've got way too many holes right now. It's a hell of a situation. But I was blown away to hear that they were considering a consultant being one of those guys to come into a two-time premiership-winning coach and think that that would be something that would possibly be taken on board. But... The extension in the first place, given the situation, is really what has me dumbfounded. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Either. I don't know how Manly's got to where they have, but it's a real mess, and it's not going to be fixed overnight. That's for sure. And for any of the talk we've said multiple times, everyone's going to wait until Tom comes back. Tom is not fixing that situation. He'll help, but he's not going to win him. Look, he's not going to help against Penrith on the weekend. No, no way. They're not going to. They're not beating the elite teams. No. So. Tackle five. The gulf between the top and the bottom has been a massive thing for the last few weeks. It's popped up on the weekend. The average winning margin for a lot of people was brought up that it was the second highest average winning margin since the largest we had, which is back in 2004, round 16, where it was almost 29.5 points. We spoke about this the other week. We had differing opinions on why. Part was salary cap. Some are saying, is it the rules and the way people have recruited or got their roster shaped? Development, poor management, cap decisions. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I don't think it's just salary cap or I don't think it's just the rules. No, but my point was, don't don't, don't tell me that it's an even comp from a salary cap perspective because it's not. And you can go and look on the NRL website and there's data on how much teams are spending on their third parties. And there's huge discrepancies in how much people are spending. So don't tell me it's an even comp from a monetary perspective, right? Away from that, I, I don't disagree with the fact that some clubs have just fucked themselves over with recruitment and retention. But that's the business of football. The, the job of the CEO and the leader in any organisation, rugby league organisation, is to have the best people in their football department to make the best decisions for their football team. And sub-clubs do not have that. You know, we've, we've been involved with clubs and I've seen guys come and go and I've, I've worked with some of the, the best, the elite, but I've also seen some of the people in positions where they shouldn't be in there or they're in there because they're an ex-player or they're friends with someone at the club or, you know, for a multitude of different reasons, which happens in every industry. However, there is a flow-on effect from that. And the flow-on effect is that you get poor results. You make poor decisions because you do not have the most effective and qualified people in those positions. Um, the rules, I don't know. I, what do you think about the rules? I, I think the rules the rules are conducive to probably more points being scored, so the margins are bigger. 
But I, I don't know. I like the rules. I think the rules... If, if the gap's bigger, then you need to get better players. You need to play better. You need to coach better. Like, yeah. the teams at the bottom of the comp can't bitch and moan. No, and I understand where you're coming from, but I just think it's more that. I just think there's less quality operators, less quality coaches. On the field, of course, it's, it's that. But just don't... I'm sick of people spinning to me that it's a fucking even comp. It's no, not. I'm not saying it's an even comp, but I'm saying I think the biggest effect on why people go, why is the gap so big? Well, there's a handful of clubs that have been stable for a long time really good governance recruitment decision making coaching yeah and also salary advantages and there's also outside of that even if you took that away though I just think they're doing a better job better decision makers better coaching we wouldn't know that because we, we can't take that away That that's part of and it's the argument like people go well you know the roosters don't have juniors or they you know they don't develop I'm like, that, that's where you're wrong you say oh well this guy played for us when he was they don't develop 14 they, they, well they do develop they they go and get guys at 18 who and are younger. prototype. And they're not paying them first grade money. They're not paying them contracts. They develop them in their system at a different point in time. They're not at Penrith per se. Yeah, but to me, development through. means that you're, you're getting them at 12, 13. That, that's you true development. You can't tell me you're not developing someone, though, from 16 onwards. You're not a first grade. They don't go and get them at 16. They get them at 18. And they do develop them. No, no doubt about that, but... Some of those their, guys their are development, not first their development not. model is different to a lot of clubs. Yeah, so same as Melbourne. I think for a lot of people that think that well, they just go and buy everyone. That that's not true at the NRL level. No, but they do go and pick the eyes out of uh, a lot of junior development systems from around the age of eighteen. But on the flip side of that, I would say to the other clubs, then you need to be astute enough to understand who the players are that you need to keep and make sure that the Roosters don't come in and get them. Well, it's no different to the Melbourne situation with the Tigers and everyone going, how do we let Pappenhausen we, go? We, they, they, we dealt with this they didn't want, for the last three years. They didn't like Pappenhausen. They didn't think Pappenhausen was a good football player. But yeah. don't, don't complain to me afterwards and say, oh, he would be the same player at the Tigers or get to the point he's got to now yeah. not being at Melbourne. Don't tell me he hasn't been developed by Melbourne. He has been. But He's we, we were developing we were developing waited. players at 14, 15 out at West and Manly are coming to get them and the Roosters are coming to get them or Canberra are coming to get them and the people at West Tigers are just saying, oh, we, we can't, we're not paying for them. We're not paying the levies. We're not, we're not giving them contracts and that's okay but yeah. don't then complain when they, they turn out to be first graders elsewhere. Hmm. If you're going to develop them, you need to ensure that you keep the ones that you've identified as elite or as potentially elite. Uh, and I, I yeah, there, there were times there where I butted heads with people and just kind of like, you're really going to let players walk because you don't want to cover their medical or you... And that's... You know, you don't want to give them... Cover their travel expenses or... For juniors, that's most of it. Ridiculous. It's just medical yeah, and maybe right. a small sign. Like they don't get paid exorbitant But money. this is my point. Like, the Roosters do come in and pillage, but they, they come in and pillage because it's so easy. Other clubs make it so easy for them to just do it. Like, I get, I get your Penrith, your Para, maybe not even Para anymore, maybe maybe only really Penrith, and I think West will get to this point with the growth in the population out at Campbelltown, but they're going to have such a strong 20 to 30 that, you know, 30 to 40 go elsewhere, and that, that's fine, mm. because you're keeping what you but identify you as your top them, 30. Yeah, you can. Correct, but if you're producing five or six, and then you're letting two or three of them walk away, it's no wonder you're struggling at the NRL level. Yeah. And this is the argument, again, like when people go, well, how could they let Burton go? Like, well, it's pretty obvious they've got Luai Cleary. Yeah. And he's not going to play Edwards. because they're going to be there long time, long term. Tyrone You've got to May. put your money somewhere. 
yeah. to have depth, but also, you know, you can't have a guy who's NRL standard stay there for four or five years and pay him that way. He's not just going to sit there. <laughs> he doesn't want but to play at the same time, in two or three years, they're probably going to produce another one. Yeah. And they might have to let him go if Cleary and Lua are only mid-20s. They might let two halves go in the time that Lua and Cleary play if they play together yeah. for a long time. But that's the situation. Why they're churning them out, even like me saying before about me liking Burns. I may like Burns, but they've got four back rows in front of him. So somewhere else, Burns is probably a walk-up start or a good opportunity to at least play week-in, week-out football. But they've got confidence in the system that they've created, as you said, over time now, to the point where they know they've got players churning out, hence the cap decisions we saw made in the off-season. Yeah, well, if I'm a Penrith fan, I wouldn't be worried about the people running that club. No. Because they've got every uh, scenario, every player, every position mapped out for years. Mm. They are all over it from a football department perspective. But I've been in other um, clubs where it's not so... Well mapped out. And, and it, it is like shooting fish in a barrel. I so. guess the bigger point here, a lot of people are saying, well, it's just the rules or it's just... So, like To me, it's all those other things are a bigger collective across the comp that I just think there's a lot of poor management and people making piss-poor recruitment and development decisions and other, other things throughout the club that are more critical than just purely salary cap and rules and the top end. There's mistakes happening from ground level up and people in jobs that shouldn't be in jobs and the same clubs get themselves in the same situations... Yeah, but over, over like, I'll even go to the point of talent identification. So if, if there, and I know there are NRL clubs who do not have people out watching games on the weekend at a junior level. So that, that's your bread and butter. That's rugby league. That is sport 101. That's, you need to go out and identify your talent and ensure it's in your system. There, there are NRL clubs that are not doing that. People that are sitting at home would be amazed at that, but that is true. That is fact. There are there are clubs out there who will send an email at the end of the year to junior club secretaries or junior club presidents and say, oh, who are your best three players in the 15s? Or who are your best three players in the 16s? And we'll just put them into you know, development squads or Harold Matthews squads or, or whatever they are. They do not have people out there on the ground watching games. It is unbelievable. But and then they'll, they'll have the audacity to complain about development or you know, lack of junior talent, etc. But they're not willing to put the work in. Other clubs are. And that's why they're going to reap the benefits. And when you talk about a salary, you know, we know it's uneven from a salary cap perspective. If it is uneven, you need to try and make as many um, posts a winner as you can. And Mm -hmm. development is free. Like, it's not hard to get someone to go out there and watch games and identify talent and get them in the system and develop them and cover their medical and... And this is my point. Pay them, when I you say know, again. spend thirty to fifty thousand dollars a year on your best kids, because once they get to the fucking NRL level, and you got to pay, you know, a million dollars to go and get someone that you could have had for half that if you actually developed them. But the point being again, like there it is. There's your talent issue. ID, Munster passed over by Brisbane, all these other clubs just playing Capra's random football, being no systems, gets picked up by Melbourne at seventeen, sitting there now looking at it, going, well, why didn't they see what they saw in that play? Hmm. Harry Grant. But development's not equal as well. And I've, I've heard Gus Gould talk about this from a Penrith perspective as well. Like the amount of the longevity of the development pathway at some places is longer than others. At, at some, there's just none. There, there is none. They'll just go and buy. But yeah, we could go on about this for hours. We've yeah, gone on I just, too long now. Well, the only point I'm making is I heard the, the two big things. The difference was... in the comp is that some, some clubs are chock full of fucking good players and others aren't. Hmm. 
And then, but the two bigger things I heard was it's the rules and it's just the salary cap. I'm like, there's so much more to it than just that. There's a lot of clubs that don't just bail them out on those two points. There's a lot of poorly run clubs that are getting it Definitely. wrong at so many other levels that contribute to the Definitely. reason why. And I the think my point in. in the when we spoke about this a few weeks ago, like got not misconstrued, but the point I was I was making about how uh, I guess uneven the salary cap is was an excuse for these clubs at the bottom. It's certainly not. No, and that's why, like you said, when but I. But what annoys me is when, if two clubs are offering a play, offering the player the same amount of money, it it should be a football decision based on I want to play here because they're better. I don't have a problem with that, but when it's two clubs having a making or making a play for a player, but one can offer them seven hundred thousand, the other can offer them seven hundred thousand plus a three hundred thousand dollar TPA. Where are they going to go? 
Craig Bellamy would have utmost respect and admiration for what John Morris has done with the club. And that's what my thought is, even if they're going to... Do they think that Craig Bellamy's going to say, we don't, I don't want John Morris, I want A or B in? Is that what, like, I guess they're waiting to see what the whole please, direction is. But I'm sitting there going, well, from what he's done... I'm... Craig Bellamy isn't going to be coaching the team. So the at the place... moment, your, your job as a club is to make decisions. He's not there to make that decision. No. The only place he'll be coaching, which is the kicker in the Melbourne deal, is they're basically saying, we'll match anyone, any role, anything you want. Money, just playing time, the field at the moment the not... Sharks from a coaching perspective. I don't know where else they want to look. And then the fact, again, the link to Serraldo and Fitzgibbon and all these assistants. It's one thing to be an assistant at the Roosters and here, there, and everywhere in the Panthers, but that doesn't guarantee success. What you've got there right now is doing a very good job. Yeah, I agree. But I'm just sitting there going, there's a lot of clubs on hold here with Bates. So breath. what is it? There must be something under the surface that we don't know about that's causing this. But for Melbourne, I think their situation is pretty straightforward. They've got him there basically saying, we'll match anything. We Maybe you should here. take a leaf out of the Desi Hasler book and get pumped by 40. <laughs> Might get a contract extension. Um, but their kick, the only kicker with the Melbourne setup, and I can understand this, is they want him to coach for one more year. So obviously they want to progress 24 months past the Cameron Smith retirement, the transition period, away from him, the new spine, the new side, and potentially a few more guys moving on next year and into the future. Mm. But I'm just sitting there going, of all the things that people are talking about, this one, it's been mentioned a little bit once or twice, but I'm like, this has got a big knock-on effect for a few clubs here who are sitting and waiting. Yeah. to basically plan their future direction. And I'm looking at Brisbane going, well, some of the moves you're making right now and paying overs to retain players or jacking up overs here, there and everywhere, I don't know if that's, you know, it's, it's one thing to want to make moves or make some decisions right now, but yeah. And then the Cronulla thing where they're basically sitting on their hands and got everyone on ice. Just going, well, we're waiting to find out what's happening. I'm like, well, I hope for their sake it's worth the wait or it doesn't cost them. Mm. But for me, obviously, I hope he ends up in Melbourne for one more year. And beyond, but I think that hasn't really been spoken about enough. But there you go. Set of six for this week. We now move on to our power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. And we've chucked that up on the pages in the discussion group for you. So throw up what you have for your power rankings after round four. But you want to know what's worse than seeing your team cop the wooden spoon this season. It's getting slapped with a rising power bill that puts you on edge more than an origin decider. Penrith Solar Centre are Western Sydney solar specialists who are helping local families Take back control over their bills. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Contact them today on 1800 to discuss how you can become the real winner this season or visit www.penrosola.com.au. Number one, Brock, who you got? Pennies. Yep. On board with that. Got the Penrith Panthers. Number two. Uh, Rabbitohs. Yep. I've also got Souths. Uh... Bar the round one hiccup, been good so far, ticking along nicely. Number three. Uh, Parramatta. Yep, Parramatta. They obviously beat Melbourne, undefeated so far. Some scrappy moments in the weekend and obviously the Brisbane game, but still four from four and a good sign when they did get over Melbourne despite them missing a few players. But number four. Uh, Storm. Yep, same deal. Ticking along nicely. No Fanuka, no Grant. A couple of guys potentially back in the next few weeks. Um, I think we won't see the best of them until they've had a few weeks with obviously everybody on the field. Number five. The Raiders. Same deal. Uh, hard loss last week when they lost those players, but right up into it, I think their attack is still very, very clunky, and that's going to get better as the year goes on. But defensively, they've showed some resolve, and they've found a way. They, they should be four from four, really. Mm. Uh, last week, obviously, hurt with those bodies, but they could very well be four from four. Number six. Uh, the Roosters. Identical. Again, like we said last week, for anyone... 
to say to me that there's eight teams better than them, even without Kiri. I think he's insane. That 30 is still very, very good. We've seen Walker. They've still got a few bodies to come back in. They're minimum better to me than 10 teams in this competition. Five yep. or six is about where I think they land. Uh, and they play well again on the weekend against one of those teams that will be in the bottom of the eight or around that mix what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Number seven. Sharks. Yep, 100% agree. Couple of good results. Couple of close losses. But again, despite the situation, despite not having the coach sorted, lots of guys off contract, lots of question marks, they keep on winning. They're plugging up holes. They were courageous in the Parramatta game when they were missing players. There's been lots of good signs, I think. And again... The sooner they sort this situation and get rid of some of these bad contracts, go to market and probably adjust one or two guys who are probably sitting there now going, well, I'm playing good football, I'm healthy, I'm willing to stay here because I like the direction the club's going, I think they could potentially make some really good moves. Mm. So, But we're, again, waiting to see what happens with that situation. And number eight. The Dragons. Same. They've also got in three in a row. Uh, you can only beat what's in front of you. Two of the teams, like we said, obviously closer to the bottom end, but they well dispatched. Um, of oh, tight finish against the Cowboys but again biggest positive defensive resolve to hold on seen in the Manly game just absolutely tore them to shreds pulled them apart on both edges dominated them through the middle and then on the weekend they were right into that game Newcastle obviously losing players certainly helped out their situation but I thought again their effort and their intense right there mm. so real test this week up against uh, Parramatta but yeah Titans disappointing loss on the weekend and obviously some question marks after Injuries to Fogarty, Don and when Taylor's coming back, so missing some halves might hurt. And the Warriors, who would probably be on the peripheral, have been up and down, lost for Newell Blake on the weekend and obviously got blown out a little by the Roosters in the back end. So other teams that people probably would have had around there uh, are not in there. Mm. So there you go. Power rankings for this week. Reviews of the games for the weekend. Panthers, Manly, 46-6. This is just one-way traffic. There's not much else to say about it. They absolutely gutted them. Left side dominant as they were, just as dominant on the right side, and highlighted that they play all three phases with high skill. In particular, highlighted when Isaiah Yo runs that nice play where he's just wide off the ruck, flat at the B. Paseca bites in. He's not just taking a shit carry. Ball in two hands, tips to a man outside. Fish Harrison a bit of space off, loads to later, and scores a try. Yeah. Um, it was I've, a cat, big black cat playing with a cotton ball. Yeah, and I think all across the park. Leota's playing better than I expect him to play after taking up those start minutes. They're getting enough out of what they need from their bench. Luai is taken from where he left off last year and gone forward. Nathan came straight back in, was absolutely outstanding, controlled, kicked well. They were good all around the park. You could highlight lots of players, but what are you supposed to say? Fish, yo, kick like everyone, Toto's, Meadridge. And then at the end, I also enjoyed them using Staines at fullback, getting him in when they took a few guys off and readjusted and to put him in those positions where you got a glimpse of the speed and what he can do from the back of the field. Obviously, like we said, not as physical and probably work a lot, workman-like is what they get out of Edwards, but you saw the speed injection to create a three-on-two instantly, which got Momorowski that try. So, very good shape for the Penrith Panthers, manly. Dreadful. And, again, it's not something that gets fixed by Tom. They need a nine. The errors and the effort and their discipline, their defensive efforts, just absolutely horrible. They've lost a couple of players again. It was already Davey and a few others and Sirena missing. Boyle went down on the weekend. Um, The biggest thing out of this for me was the set distance. I don't really like a lot of stats, but 50 metres per set for Penrith, Manly 35. They absolutely dominated. 
nine line breaks to one, shitload of missed tackles. There wasn't a lot of positives to take out besides Aloy and Kepi were okay off the bench and like the little bits I've seen from Schuster. But looking at the, you know, Jake basically pleading with them or trying to fire him up and you've even got Cherry Evans is supposed to be the captain somewhat even in the peripheral himself or in the background, he's really low on confidence not playing well at the moment either. So it's not a great time if uh, you're a Manly fan or at the Manly club. But moving on from that one, South Dogs, 38-0. What was your thoughts on this? Again, boys versus men. Dogs competed for a little bit, but... First 2025, they had some chances. Couldn't convert it to points. No, their issue at the moment is scoring points. They can't score points. And, you know, they've got to find out a way to manufacture 18... 24 points if they're going to expect to win a game. Uh, they haven't scored a point since round one. So. Well, I know he's come there. You know, Lachlan Lewis going off early hurt, but. Yeah, well, Katara. They've got, they got some injuries. They'll, they'll get a few back this week, but uh, it doesn't get any easier. They're playing Melbourne. I think in the past, though, we've seen them get points off the back of their defence and not really being so sharp and attack. The focus this year is about Barrett's in, will attack better, things will be better, but I think they've lost some of their defensive resolve they've had the last few years. That needs to come back. Because yeah. if you are struggling, you don't have the quality in your side to create points. The number one thing that they have been doing really well when they had pay in the few years where we'd probably say they haven't had the talent is defend well or have that extra effort area or go for the scramble or make it ugly. I don't think they're making it ugly or making as much effort as what they have been the last few years. Mm. Maybe it's time to strip their focus back a little bit off the attack and get back some basic principles of defense and maybe try and get some errors, better field position. Maybe that will open up to some opportunities to get some more points rather than all this focus on attack. Mm. But that's just my opinion. But uh, South, they kind of bought into, you know, a bit of the grub a little bit too much, I think, in this game. Probably could have gone on with it a bit more and laid the boot in, but uh, there was a few little situations. Cody Walker, as Wayne Bennett said, definitely took his angry pills. The forearm to the back of the head, the leg stomp, not the greatest. Hetherington lost his head a little bit as well. A few questionable moments from him, but... At the end of the day, it was just the, the Cook and Cody show. Mm-hmm. Two very poor efforts from Dummy Half where he was able to literally one time jump out with a set ruck and beat three guys in behind the drain to tip onto Cody Walker. Second time he jumps out, dead Marine, back turn, uses him a shield, goes straight back through, tips on again. The troll Benji grubber, can't defend it, but same deal. Too many passive guys, you're letting a guy drift back across four or five defenders and just ball watching. The, the best try of the day for me, or the one I enjoyed the most, was the Cody Walker kick. That time they actually did come forward. They weren't as passive. They cut off the outside, but that's just indefensible. That was beautiful. Mm. Absolutely beautiful. But 38 zip. Bennett obviously said afterwards he wasn't happy. But Yeah, it's easy I to be not happy when you're he's probably, 38 now. Probably just boxing friendly a little bit, I think, not to get their ego too much up after that one. But yeah, good luck. Uh, on the other side of things. They're running to Brisbane this week. Mm-hmm. Hard day, but um, especially like you said. Katoa went to nine, didn't he? And they put young Jackson to point him for a debut to play 73 minutes at nine. Yeah. Made 47 tackles, no misses. He went well. A very good effort when you get thrown in the deep end. But Yeah. Um, yeah. Saw him the following day. He said he was sore, but I bet. he enjoyed it. It's a, a huge so. effort in your first game. And uh, been very, very good come through the system there. But yeah, South carried you. Arrow, etc. A lot of guys would Yeah, he's one of those guys that's presenting a bit of a green shoot for Bulldogs fans, so yep. stick in. It's, um, you know, they're, they're nowhere near the, at the the light at the end of the tunnel, but you know, there's at least there's a little bit of light there. Mm-hmm. Storm Broncos, similar to the other two games, not a whole lot needed here. 4-6, they were under 50% from 
four from nine or four from ten, some terrible errors, consistently pushing the ball sideways, drop football. Bellamy would have been absolutely shredding that box, but the moment they held the football, played a bit more direct, they just gutted them straight out the middle. And Pappenhausen, basically being the Billy Clone he was, was just all around the football. First one was a shift to the edge. O-line bounces off New, creates a little bit of space for Fox, picks it up through the middle. Carrigan just a straight-up poor miss on O-line. Pappenhausen again. Nelson, the other two times, gets three or four bodies in, offloads for Pappenhausen, who still beats three players near the post. Shouldn't be able to do that. And the next one, Cheese kind of digs in the line, tips onto Hughes, and Pappenhausen backs up again. But in a 10-minute period, it was just taken away. Absolutely tore the stomach out of the Broncos. And as has been seen in the weeks prior... Yeah, once you get one against the Broncos, you get three or four. That's it. It was like that last year. Those lapses and just that effort, their head goes straight up their ass the moment things go against them. Yeah, I don't know whether it's that. They just they don't seem to have the engine to defend large clumps of possession against them. But Effectively, the sad thing is that they look at even... some of the tries. It's like play three in yardage. They just Melbourne just go tip, tip, and go straight through them. That's what I mean. It's not like they're absorbing set after set and then conceding. They're literally... well, they are in the fact that they're just they they're conceding, 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 yeah, conceding. You're and getting breaks in between off and two and... or three plays. Like you're not being gassed in the sense of we're making back to back to back to back efforts. Like you're, you're, you're still going, you're still gassed. You're going two or three plays. Try two or three plays. Try. Like you got to have more resilience than that. Mm. No, I agree with you. Side. I'm just saying that when it goes against them. It goes against them. Mm. Second half, again, wasn't exactly the cleanest by Melbourne, but found some tries late. One nice little play where they used that old Cronk Proctor play where they hit the lead runner, which was the debutante Lorio. That nice sweet play to create a number on the outside. Another one where the ball's just been left to bounce, which was Paul and Tommy Eisenhuth tips it on. So by no means, again, I know the scoreline, similar to the other game, was a blowout. But Melbourne weren't that great, which is probably the scarier thing when you look at the Brisbane side of things. Yeah. The amount of, they, they ended up getting their completion rate up to close to 80%, but this is a team that's still missing Felice on the weekend, Dale Finuc and Harry Grant, and they beat the Broncos by 40. Yeah. Um, yeah. People were saying, I saw some positive signs out of a lot. What I saw, there was little bits there for the Broncos. I didn't see a whole lot that I thought was positive. Haas coming back, did what he does, worked his ass off, got through a bit of volume, but did make a huge impact on the side. Pungai Jr. for... Redemption story I'll come back this year And have his opportunity To turn things around Haven't seen a whole lot Bar that last little stint Of the Titans game Where it was gone And he went after The feeder Which was too little Too late You know um, Thought Milford for all the Criticisms of Coppin I don't think he was terrible They played They played three top eight Sides over the Broncos They played That's yeah, a rough start Titans, Storm Eels So That's their three it's, losses It's not getting any better They beat the Doggies so. They're going to play The Souths this week yeah, they've got oh, no, Parramatta it doesn't coming up again. Uh, I think the Panthers might be the Panthers, next there. Yeah. So. They play Rabbits, Panthers. See more, show me more. Eels, Titans, Cowboys, Seagulls. So it gets a little bit easier in May. Yeah, but by then they could potentially. Then be they one run into Rooster Storm again. Could be one and seven. Dragons, Raiders, Rabbits, Sharks, Bronc, uh, Tigers, Panthers. Yeah, they, they don't have an easy draw. And the harder part, I guess, again, the couple of their individuals, even if they are down the bottom, will play Origin. Yeah. So it's one thing to already be in a bit of a hole, but they do have a few individuals who will likely get picked for at football. Yeah. Which doesn't help the situation anymore, but uh, has to make a decision on the halves. Like I said, Croft bench for Dearden this week. 
didn't really understand the thought process coming out of a win to drop a half that started for it, even though I thought did and should have been playing over Croft in the first place. But the only real player, I guess, that they're waiting to come back now is Staggs. Yeah, um, that's right. And I think they may have had one or two are going to be out this week as a result of the weekend. But Haas came back in. Obviously, like I said, didn't make a hell of a lot of difference to what's going on there. But the same deal again. The defensive side of the ball needs to be their bread and butter. Yeah. Forget about we got this guy and Staggs can score from this part of the field and Milford needs to do this and attack. If you can't defend, if you have no resilience, if you can't put together back-to-back efforts, go set for set and get yourself into a game, you've got no chance. Mm. You can't be blown apart in a 10-minute period in an 80-minute game. 24 points in 10 minutes is just unacceptable. Yeah. So, yeah. Cronulla, North Queensland, again. Another build-up. 48 to 10 out of the first four games, and the Cows, plain and simple, just zero effort. They were horrendous. I don't know really what to say, and again, speaking to... Their their effort was okay, but their effort in that middle period was diabolical. They they were competing up until that point, and that, that was the game. They just had a power nap for 15 minutes, and that was it. They got blown out. Well, I'm going to give some praise because the conditions obviously suited playing good football, but Cronulla, Cronulla were really nice to watch. Good. And again, speaking of coaching and not just sticking to sides and we'll play here and shape and rah, like Morris has got them humming in the way that they actually move the football and the style of football they play. The halves linking and then Kennedy also being that extra ball running and ball playing threat. They're playing long sides, half to half to fullback, left and right combinations, switching things up. They were all joining together or working together. The width they play off from the ruck, they were just stripping them, isolating players. Like I just thought they played a really, really good style of football. Yeah. Chad's kicking game. Moylan even looks a little bit confident in what's going on around him. Having that outlet, I guess, out the back and having Chad inside him is making it easier decision-wise for him, but... Kennedy's come along at leaps and bounds with little bits of football. And this speaks again to a coach in Morris who's been through what we're talking about, that development pathway, worked with a lot of these guys, brought them through, and it's not quitting on someone after one or two games or you know, chopping and changing, like having a bit of patience and working with guys. Connor Tracy, who is naturally a half, like he's played centre, he's played wing, he's getting the most out of these kind of... Like that's what you want out of your coach. Mm. Rudolph, the Talakai's and Hunts of last year, T. Wilton only playing a handful of games the way he played on the weekend, Ueli and his development. Like there's like I said, I, I see lots of positives in what he's done at the Sharks. Yeah, I agree. They and played the a good brand of footy. Um Yeah. And, I, and even somewhat like, you know, Dugan when he has been healthy last year has played well. He's sticking with his stance on for feeder and, and they're playing good enough and I think he's just been honest with him. He hasn't, you know, iced him, but he's just told him where he's at right now. Um, the Johnson situations and other like I find this the most interesting part. You've got Johnson and Moylan off contract. You've got Chad Townsend who's locked in for a few more years. I don't see with the Kennedy situation developing how it is that they're going to pay big money for both Moylan and Johnson. No, they can't. And they've still got Trindle who they're going to have to make a decision on. I'm pretty sure is at least extended for now. They've got a young guy, Ryan River, who they brought down from Australian schoolboys who I'm pretty sure was a Gold Coast or a Brisbane kid in their SG ball setup. So, Johnson or Moylan, obviously we haven't seen Johnson play any games this year. Moylan's looking half decent while he's been healthy. Someone's not going to beat that club, in my opinion, out of those two in particular. And again, three million in It'll be Johnson. Three million in contracts coming off. They've got McInnes coming off the back of the ACL to play in that lock position with the way the rules are going, the way he played there last year. I like the move. Things, again, shaping up nicely. They just need to sort out obviously their future and whether he's going to be the coach or not. 
It's a no-brainer. Yeah, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? But, like I said, Chad, Moylan, Kennedy in particular, outstanding. Forwards, outs, I just, everyone. And even Bray, it was nice to see him use a kicking game a little bit more and show a bit more there. Haven't seen much of that. Kicked a nice 40-20, set up a grab off try force to drop out. So, uh, some good signs there. Cowboys, yeah. There's uh, not, not a lot of positive to come out of that one. Raiders, Titans, 20-4. to Your thoughts as a Titans man? Well, we had enough chances to win the game. Just weren't good enough. Missing halves, um, impact from key players just wasn't good enough. Nines weren't good enough, weren't impactful enough. We just couldn't score points. Some blowing chance. Like, I Canberra thought, were just happy to... I thought Rain got there, but he dropped the ball. Yeah, Can- Canberra just absorbed. And yeah. then when they had their chances, they took advantage. But I, I thought the it was a game the Titans could have easily won. Well, they had. But this is the thing: you can you can put all these players around your spine, but you need to have a spine. Like we've got Brimson sorted. You know, I'm still not sold on Fogarty. I know a lot of other people are in love with him, but you know, is he is he a guy? Is he a halfback in a premiership winning side? I'm not sure he is. Well, I think they had him there last year to mainly take pressure off Taylor. But as we know, when you've played a full year and you've got Taylor video, him as well, like they've got the video and they know what he does now. And they Aaron Clark him. came in and he was well, he he's wasn't a, great. He's a nine, but they had to so, play him in the halves. But they definitely went after. No, well, he had a bit of time at nine as well. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just I think it probably shows you where the Titans are at. They're a they're a seventh to eighth, I would say, side and. Until they address and get some really elite players in their spine, you're not going to win. You're not going to beat top four sides. Mm. You might, we might beat a top four side yeah. or a couple of top four sides, but you're not going into a final series and knocking off. You know, you're not you're not beating quality sides four weeks in a row, which is what we're going to have to do to win a comp. Mm. Simple as that. But, yeah. You can throw the ball to Dave Taylor and Tino and AJ Brimson as much as you want, but you got no one generating anything out of nine and no real dual threat from a halves perspective so there's still a ways to go there yeah obviously like you said once Fogarty went uh, early in the second half and it was left to Boyd and Clark and Brimson have to get himself a lot more involved Canberra were pretty much across it yeah. any time there was a quick play of the ball or any semblance of momentum they were pretty much no threat um, and early in the game like you said with all the ball they had Canberra did a really good job defending a couple of cracker try savers Jackie White come up with one. Chancey Clonstad had an absolute blinder of a game. Offloads, yardage work, and his try savers. But I look at Canberra again and go, well, they got the job done. Um, but still... They weren't impressive. A lot of him, a lot of improvement. But they were far too good for the Titans. And especially on the attacking side of the ball. They had that one really nice first try. That was a great play. But other than that, it's still fairly clunky. Yeah. Jack kicked out the full, had a few... Moments there, he hasn't quite started the year as you expect. Hodgson still working his way back into things. I think George has probably been the most steady of the front three, in all honesty. Yeah, it's fair. Um, Chance, you know what Chance is, and I said that the other year. It was my only criticism that he doesn't really have a pass in his game, but I guess similar to like an Edwards, he gives back so much more in the work he does. He's had a couple offloads, he's been more physical there in his effort and try saving ability, but um, to me, yeah, they've got a hell of a lot of improvement still on the other side of the ball. Sutton did a good job filling in. Uh, the cup side won by 60 on the weekend, so some good signs there with Gula, Horsberg, Harawir and Ira, guys that have started down there, so that depth we spoke about. Croker's been back in for a couple of weeks now, so uh, I, I still expect to see better, but I tell you what, they're going to have to find some improvement in attack this week if they're going to keep up with Penrith. 
and they're going to need to bring that defensive result because yeah. they're going to have a whole lot more thrown at them and bring them to the point that you just made from the perspective of what comes from the spine with Penrith this week, in particular their halves, because they're not going to waste opportunities if they get them against no, Canberra as not. compared to what they had on the weekend. But Tino, for you guys, and I've said it the last few weeks again, and I'm absolutely loving off him, but my God, he's good to watch. Yep. He's just next level. Dave was Close to the best again. player out on the field. thought Mo was very good off the bench as well. Had a good impact yeah. on the game. Um, that's the real positive, like you said right now, for you guys. Pack's looking good. you got some pretty good guys coming off the bench. Lasano, Mowiaki, all doing a job. Outside backs, we haven't seen Spry. Kelly's been injured, so they got some pretty good uh, options in that sense. But besides Brimson, 6, 7, 9, and then the depth behind them are basically the big questions going forward. Yeah. Is Fogarty the right man with Taylor? Is Taylor there this year on? Is Boyd or Sexton, who they've signed both Australian schoolboys who are local boys, the answer for either of those spots? Or in 12 months or this year, do they decide they're going into the market for a half? Yeah. Do they look at a Moylan or a Johnson or something? You, you never know. Mm. I know that's probably not ideally what you're looking for, but uh, that's probably the, the real question right now that like you said. Got some good forwards, got some good outside backs. Got a couple of kids there, but realistically, it's just getting a few more pieces to your spine sorted or being settled with. But moving on from that, uh, Canberra three from four now. Uh, yeah, defensive effort, certainly the, the call of the night. Chance, Parley Sutton, a couple of guys that stood out. Dragons, Newcastle, 22-13. This was a very gritty game. A very gritty game. Back and forth, arm wrestle, plenty of physicality. Got stuck into each other. Um, but in the end... Certainly a terrible day for Newcastle. And yeah. the result's one thing. And a close loss last week to the Tigers. So you've lost two in a row at home to two teams that most people thought they would have beat. But the toll injury-wise... Well, they looked the better side while they had their full side out there. just massive. So Pierce oh. now, 10 to 12 weeks potentially. Green, they almost tried not to use or throw back in too early because he's undone. Man gets knocked out. Tex Hoy, who's been covering for Ponga, is looking... Two to four weeks with a hamstring. Clemmer finished the game, but they got concerns about his knee. And we already know, like we said, no Ponga. Phoenix Crossland got injured. The young debutante, Young, apparently has picked up an injury now after last week. Um, Ponga, he's been named this week, I'm pretty sure. But again, I think they're getting him back in because they barely could name a 21. Mm. So you're losing all these bodies early on and you're losing two games at home against teams that you would have liked to have beaten heading into a potentially stronger run. I think... Their upcoming draw involves, from memory, who was it? I think they've got Penrith, Cronulla, Canberra, and the Roosters in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so, there's no easy game. In the I know that, but when, like, you've, when you're losing... When you're thin, so, yeah. like It's one thing you get an easy they, game. Got, they can only do what they can do with the players they've got available. So yeah. there's no point worrying about who they've got available or who they're playing. They they were good enough to beat the Dragons. They were, they were beating the Dragons with their full contingent out there on the weekend. They had injuries go against them. It ultimately played a part in them losing the game. But that's that's footy, you know. So sometimes the injuries you have none and other times you're going to have them in big gluts. So I guess the positive is that the Mitchell Pierce injury isn't season ending. It's going to be, what are they saying, two to three months. So nah, 10 to 12 weeks. Yeah, so two to three months. Um, so you're not going to see him until possibly mid-origin yeah. or later. Could be around... But still, it's not the season. Could be Blake Green's a very capable replacement. I think he's a good player. So, 
you know, they, they just got to steal up for a few weeks until they get some troops back and see if they can't jag a win or two in this period. Well, hopefully Ponga stays healthy and best the situation's looking better than what they originally thought. Yeah. I think originally they were talking if it had surgery, 8 to 10, by the looks of it, he won't need surgery. So hopefully they'll get him back in about 3 to 4, which would be a decent outcome. Um, and as far as a couple of those forwards from the weekend, now that works out. Clemmer got back on the field, so that has to be a positive sign. I think they had some concern around Frizzell's ankle as well. But he obviously played on the weekend and got through the game, but... From the Dragon side of things, I think it's a real positive, like we said, to see Hunt playing the way he did before he got injured. But then I thought Norman had a, a good game again. Had some nice passes, getting into the line, doing the things we haven't seen, kick well. Tarek Sims off a couple of average years, massive game. Beautiful line that he ran back on the inside, straight at Watson to score under the sticks, and then the charge down effort. That was a corker. Absolute corker. But uh, one denied early against Lomax. They had the brouhaha where Ravalawa bowling pin three of them which unfortunately ended with Kurt Mann getting knocked out so there was a lot of feeling in it Clemmer and Laurie early on trying to get stuck into each other Yeah, but good. from a Dragons perspective if you're a fan of theirs everyone was questioning a lot of the moves and what they were doing myself included you must you have to be happy with the effort and the energy you're saying you're saying something similar deal that you've been asking for minimum as we always talk about energy and intent and just having a crack that hasn't probably been there for about 18 months. Yeah, agree. So at the bare minimum, if they lost the game playing the way they are playing right now, it'd be like, at least they're having a dig. Um, and like I said, they're trying to wheel and deal right now. They've got fires, uh, irons in the fire, scoping out the Maguire situation, possibly getting half the freight paid there. They're still looking at Fafita and getting half of the freight paid there, looking at Burns to get another back row and to potentially get Kerr back in, playing as a middle. So looking for any advantage within the salary cap or any sort of play they can pick up with someone else having to pay part of the package um, to patch up a few deficiencies or areas they obviously think they need plays in. So, yeah. Wouldn't be too disappointed right now if you're a Dragons fan. No. They're going well. And, uh, yeah, and they can only beat what's in front of them, so. Yep. But I just don't want to make any outlandish statements. No, I'm not making two or Similar throw. deal. People go, I'm like, yeah, well, just that's... Let, it, let it fly. We've only seen four games. Interested more to see them play a team this week that is a bona fide top undefeated but probably a top four sort of contender and they basically have no injuries yeah. or any players missing so it's a real good test this week for them uh, Newcastle thought Watson did a good job when he came on Barnett Braley was solid again but hard situation and um, O'Brien lobbed his book at half time looked pretty antsy in the, the post-match press conference he's get the feelings of last year all over again I think where they sort of got to the year and just had issues trying to get everyone on the field so he looks quite frustrated, unfortunately. Roosters Warriors, 32-12 early on, a couple of early chances. Roosters, uh, Warriors held out, come down the other end, scored a couple of times off kicks, had themselves in the contest early doors, but losing Fenua Blake early didn't help and thought the Roosters just seemed to gain more confidence as they got further and further the game, got Walker's involvement, thought the forward pack was much better. A lot of those guys that were dominated the week before, Toki, Jared, etc., did a much better job, and uh, Angus Crichton, he had an absolute field day out in that edge. Mm. Created plenty of damage. Walker, like we said, nice late on try for Nat Butcher. Nice wide catch, skips across a couple of defenders, straightens up and puts him through a hole. Kicked a goal, had some nice kicks in general, defended well. Uh, can't really fault what they did as far as patching things up. Him and Hutchison did what they needed to do. Radley's first game back, he was solid as well. Yeah, they were clinical, the Roosters. Really, really good performance. Today's considering the disruption Steven. they've had. Yeah. 
Warriors were poor, I thought. Same old, same old. They just kept ticking along. And Brett Morris, he's ageless. Yeah, he's gone. The effort he made for two of those tries, one of them I was disappointed more with the Warriors that they released from the inside, got the numbers across and had him on the paint and he still somehow got back in and beat two or three. And the last try for Josh was soft. That was real disappointing for me for the Warriors. Picks up a ball off the ground, beats three or four to get over. Yeah. Um, not a great night for them. Like we said, losing a player after already having a couple gone. But at the back end, it got away from them after they started so competitively and thought possibly when Ken Marmolo scored and unfortunately put his hand out, they might have had themselves in the frame at the end there to have a decent finish. But once that sort of uh, got called off against them, they were out of the game. Yep. Um, I guess similar deal. Sullivan coming in and trying to fit in with what they're doing. Now losing Fanua Blake, having already lost Aiken, Chanel Tavita Harris. They've had to readjust. They've got a suspension this week with a foe now, which doesn't help with the double blow with Fanua Blake being out. So... I think Evans is going to play his first game, but it's uh, just a few little things starting to add up for them, which is making it harder for the Warriors, that's for sure. Yeah. But yeah. Roosters ticking along. And the last game, the one you attended yesterday, Eels-Tigers 36-22. Knock on for the kickoff, and it was quite an interesting game. That set the tone for the rest of the day. Yeah, it was. Strange old game. Messy. A lot of errors, a lot of stoppages, but um, entertaining nonetheless. The... Um the Tigers just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Every time they get back into it, they'd find a way to invite Para back in. It, it looked like they were they were coming to get him at the end there, but um, just not to be. They they just couldn't apply pressure consistently enough, and they just make too many fundamental errors to beat you know again top four teams. Well, early doors thought it could have been anything because could have been yeah the offloads and how freely they move the ball. The softness of a couple of the early tries and getting a 16 dip, I thought, this is not good. No. Signs are really bad. But Erish and Parham inviting him back in. Tigers come up with a couple of nice tries. The drop bomb, like the Dewey bombs he put up to put Fergo under pressure, he put an absolute couple of screamers up. Yeah. The M by flick up to Brooks to throw back you to Kamanu when they got 16 10. I'm thinking, all right, we've got a game here. The death blow when they let that try right in on half time, I thought, you know, second half, if they come out flat, might be in a bit of trouble. But. Uh, they responded. They came out. They find some tries, and it was it wasn't right until the end with a bit of that circus, uh, the deflection where Ferguson kicked it back in, and a lot of people obviously were questioning was he onside. They've obviously had to have reviewed it and thought he was mm. for Guthrie uh, to score that try and icing on the cake. At I full thought time. watching it live, he was offside. I thought it looked offside, but mm. just weird. Like I said, start off with a knock on off the kickoff, and it finished with a comical crossfield kick, drop ball, and a poacher's try from the man. Who obviously made that error, but for Parramatta again, I guess doing what you need to do to win, and their good patches are really good, but yeah. you got to get those errors out because between Brisbane and the Tigers game now, I've probably made it harder for themselves than it needed to be. Yeah, their um, spine's looking good. They've got good front rowers, good edge players. They, they look a really solid side, Parramatta. 100% and good recruitment. Murata's done a great job, as we've said in the past, now going back out to the position he played coming for the juniors. He's done a good job. Yeah, like he's going to get beat with leg speed, but he's never going to get beat in a one-on-one tackle if he can actually get there, get to the tackle. And I also think just decision-wise and structurally, they've tightened up on both edges between him and Opechak. Fundamentally, they're both better defenders. Opechak's a good player. Yeah, he's just solid. They're both better defenders fundamentally, though, than what they had with Jennings and Wanga Blake, I think. Correct. So you tighten that up. Your spine's playing better. We've seen improvement from Marnie. Marnie's obviously had a massive improvement, had another good game on the weekend, which helps you out. He was young, he's developing. Brown and Moses, Gutherson's around everything, and you talked about the middles. I don't think you could have a better middle combination between Paulo, Campbell, and uh, Brown. Yeah, they're going well. Those three 
outstanding. But yeah, value out of Papali, Murata, all these sort of guys. So good signs from Para, and again, got the job done, which is the most important thing. Uh, on the other side, you're talking about the Tigers. Leilua, why so positive with the ball? Still some lapses defensively, an error here or there. Dewey at the back end made up for a couple of poor misses, let tries in with some of his kicks and scored one of his own, but six misses, he was filthy on himself in the post game. Yeah. Saying about that. And Brooks, similar deal, had a hand in a couple of tries, but some missed tackles and poor defensive efforts just let him down again. And, uh, you know, some little bits he saw out of Utah Kamano again and his ability, or Dane Laurie week to week so far. I'm sure lots of Tigers fans probably, he's one of their new favourite players in the way he's playing, but. And he's playing yeah. great footy. I think uh, Madge basically summed it up afterwards and people saying you talk about defence, defence, defence and bend it down. At the end of the day, it's on the playing group. Yeah. You can talk about it, you can preach it, you can practice it as much as you want, but it's got to happen on the field. Yep. So, Agreed. That wraps it up for the reviews of the games from this week. Tips and uh, preview of a round ahead brought to you by Bluebet. There is nobody better than a true blue, 100% Aussie-owned bookmaker, Bluebet. Get on board, bluebet.com. Charity bet, like we said last week. Unfortunately, not a winner to kick things off for the Bears of Hope, but let's see if we can find a winner this week, Boxhead. You got six, I got five, Gossip got five, and Roasty got six, so you lead now, 24. Myself and uh, the NRL Roaster on 23, and Gossip is on 22. So let's have a look at some of these odds and some of the team lists from Bluebet this week, and... Uh, See if, like we said, we can find some wins for the punters and just for the tipping comp in general. But things kick off Friday night. We've got Souths up against the Broncos and obviously a couple of force changes. Benji Marshall comes in at six with Cody Walker suspended and Jacob Host comes in for Colin Atungi, who's also suspended in the back row. Dean Hawkins, who's a half hooker sort of utility player, most of the halves has been named at 14 to replace that role that Benji Marshall Usually does, and for the Broncos, we say they get a couple of players back. Well, they've probably just lost their best outside back. Herbie Farnworth is out injured. Richie Kenner comes in. Pat Carrigan out suspended. Pungai Jr. starts at lock. Asiata to the bench. Uh, I think this one's going to be pretty unanimous. Yep. Souths. Yep. We're both on Souths, and I'll have the tips later on from the other two lads. But with Blue Bet, heavy favourites again, like last week. Bank interest, $1.06 with Blue Bet for Souths. $9 for the Broncos. The line, minus 21 and a half. A fair bit to swallow. Huge. Even with those changes. But I think Huge. I think today, I didn't even think about it, but it was said seven of the eight games last week were 13 plus. Which, oh, there you go. that's pretty hefty. You wouldn't have bet more than half the round, I think, in the past and think they're all going to be 13 plus, but seven of the eight. Insanity. Second game, the early Friday night game, the Warriors affected heavily come up against Manly, who are desperate for their first win up there on the Central Coast. And for the Warriors, Fanua Blake is out with that knee injury. Leeson Armour comes in to start at prop. Bunty Afoa out suspended as well. So Toe Harris has to move into the middle. Jack Murchie goes from the bench to the back row. Kane Evans comes onto the bench to play his first match. And Tom Arlo is named on the bench for the first time with Bailey Sirin and missing out. Seagulls, Tom Travojevic will miss another week. He's not named in the 21. Morgan Harper comes into the centres to replace Moses Suley, who was injured. Jack Azuski into the back row to replace Morgan Boyle, who's out injured. And Talafal Sipley is the new face on the bench. And they've named the third Trebojevic brother, Ben, in the reserves. So potentially a third Trebojevic debuting. Who do you think here, Brock? You sticking with the Warriors? Yes. Or are you going with Manly? 
I will not tip the Manly Seagulls until they show me something. And I'm with you there. So I'm sticking with the Warriors, and they are heavy favourites with Blue Bet, $1.34, although I do think it is a dangerous week with some of those injuries in the shuffle. Manly, though, as you said, no confidence with Blue Bet. They're 325, minus 7.5 is the line there. And the Friday night game, absolute corker, which we shall be attending. The Panthers and the Raiders can't wait for this one. Should be an absolute belter. Panthers, no surprise, no changes from what they had on the field last week. For the Raiders, Joseph Tapine returns to the site at lock. Ryan James returns to the interchange. And Ryan Sutton and Josh Papali both start in the front row. Dunamis Louie dropped to the reserves for the second time this year. So, as you said, got that forward depth, got guys competing for positions, had a big winning cup last week and a couple of guys trying to find their way back in to the side. It's a good situation. Absolutely. To have, but... Competition. It's a, a real good test this week. Panthers at home, hard to go past. Panthers. Sticking with the Panthers, but hoping we get a belter of a game. But interested to see this matchup, because like we said before, they've been a bit clunky in attack. They're going to need to take their chances this week because mm-hmm. Panthers are very, very good defensively, very, very good, obviously, in attack as well. So if they bring that defensive resolve and they can find a bit of spark in their own attack, in particular, Jack Whiten, should be a hell of a game. But yeah. They're going to have their hands full on the forwards, on the edges. Interested to see uh, Matty Burton, who I probably didn't really mention before because we just didn't really want to talk about that game. He had a great game last week in the centres as well. Yeah, he played well. Um, Crichton did his job, didn't do anything really special from the back, but really looking forward to seeing this game. Campbell have a plan to, to put some stress on that this weekend. So. Yeah, much more so than what they did last week, that's for sure. But uh, with Bluebet, $1.42 favourite are the Panthers, two eighty five for the Raiders, minus 7.5. Is the line there in that one? Titans are the early Saturday game back up at the Gold Coast after the COVID scare against the Newcastle Knights. And for them, Brian Kelly returns in the centres. That pushes Phillips Semi back onto the wing and Anthony Don out. That's good timing. Ash Taylor is named in number 21 and could be a late inclusion. Fogarty's named despite uh, coming off on the weekend. So interesting to see what happens there. For Newcastle, Kalen Ponga returns at fullback for his first game of the year with Tex Hoy. Out of the side, Mitchell Pearce, as we said, is going to miss long term. So Blake Green starts at halfback. Connor Watson moves to six. And David Clemmer is named despite that injury. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Kurt Mann obviously out. And an extended bench. They've now got Chris Randall, Sami Solo, Brody Jones all added on to make up some of those numbers that they've obviously lost. Um, Well, actually, they're all actually in on the bench. They're not just in the reserve. So Randall... Solo and Brody Jones all into the side. The reserves now, Braden Musgrave, Simi Sasagi, Garrett Smith, who was a development player they brought down from North Queensland, and Jack Johns. So I think three of the guys in that extended bench are development players. So yeah, they're similar to the Roosters, like we said. Exemptions early on just to get players named. And Blue Bet, what do you reckon? Titans? Yes. This situation back home after last week, you have to be when you'd think coming up against a team that's... Uh, Obviously missing some troops from Bluebet agree. A dollar thirty-five with Bluebet are the Gold Coast Titans. The Newcastle Knights three twenty minus eight and a half is the line there. Storm Dogs the middle game on the Saturday. This was supposed to be in Perth, I think, with all the guidelines and restrictions that yeah, got brought was. back. Yeah. Um, so it's at Stadium Australia now. And for the Dogs, Dallin Watin Zelezniak returns at fullback with Nick Manny out with busted ribs. Josh Jackson. And Luke Thompson come back. He's at prop after that suspension. Renoff Fatoni and Dylan Napa move back to the bench. And Dean Britton, Joe Stimson are out of the side. Lachlan Lewis is out 
after the concussion with Jake Avrilo back from an ankle injury at 5'8", and Corey Allen, third position in a couple of weeks, fullback to wing, and now he's in the centres, and Nick Kotrick has been moved from the centres to the wing. Mm. So, you got any thoughts on that? Well, I think he's a better winger than a centre. So do I. Mm. So He wanted to be a centre, and Allen, they obviously This signed. is what happens, isn't it? I want to be this, I want to be that, and then you get there and you go... Maybe I'm not what I thought I was. Yeah, well, and again, and it's also no guarantee that if you don't play well, you're not going to hold the position you want to be. Oh, that's right. So, for the Storm, Harry Grant's been named in the 21, close to return, but if he's not ready this week, there's no way they're going to play him. Felice Cafusi returns from suspension. Tom Eisenhoof drops back to the bench. Nelson Osofa Solomona, Tui Kamika Mika swap the roles they filled in last weekend, and Trent Laurier, who debuted last week, drops out. Branko Lee, named again in the extended bench, but he's been in and out of that the last few weeks. So if not with those guys that we said in the reserves, they'll continue on with Brandon Smith. Uh, Tommy's done a good enough job in the back row, moves back to the bench there, but certainly not an opposition this week that you'd be panicking to get Harry Grant back in. Nope. No need to. I'm sure you're on the storm as am I. Yep. I'm sure the boys will be exactly the same. And with Blue Bet, $1.04 bank interest again. Eleven dollars are the Bulldogs minus twenty-seven and a half is the line here. Well, what did I say the line was to you early doors? Twenty-one and a half. So it's blowing it's out. It's going out another six points. This is the long longest than last week. Eleven dollars would have to be the biggest odds we've seen so far. Yeah, what is it? Eleven bucks. Yeah, well, I've, I've seen thirteen elsewhere. Last week I thought we had some big odds, but I think that's the biggest we've seen even compared to last week with Bluebet, but. Sharkies, Roosters, closing out Saturday. This should be an absolute corker of a game, given the way that uh, the Sharks are going so far. And some good signs from the Roosters last week, but they've named an unchanged side that beat the Warriors. Ben Maskey remains on the bench after making his debut last week. And Victor Radley is going to the judiciary to challenge a dangerous contact, I think he was charged for, to avoid a one-game suspension for the Sharkies. Jesse Ramey returns after his Suspension for a few weeks there. Connor Tracy, who filled in very, very well in the outside backs, reverts back to that interchange role. And Braden Trindle moves from the interchange back to the reserves list as a result of that. What's your thoughts here? It's SCG. Roosters. Going with the Chuggies? Yeah. I think they'll build from last week. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Sharks were, were good, but I want to see them beat a, a good side. Well, I'm very tempted, but I'm going to go the Roosters. Something about them in the SCG so far. I'm not big on hoodoos or grounds, but for two weeks in a row, uh, I'd like to know if Radley's playing. I don't know if that's been decided yet or not, but if he was out, that would have an effect on the way I'm thinking with my tip, considering what they've got on the bench. Is they judiciary done by now, or surely? Radley, guilty. He's out? Well, in that case, I'm going to go the upset. I'll go to the Sharks. I like the way they played their football last week. They've been ticking along nicely. It'll be a cracker challenge. He's not facing a ban. He's been fined eighteen hundred uh, eighteen hundred after being found guilty, but was not facing a ban irrespective of the verdict. Oh, there you go. Someone said he was going there to challenge it, so maybe he was. Well, he found... did. Yeah, he did. But he was found guilty. It must have been because of carryover points or something that they thought. Well, we're going to go and we'll challenge go and it. challenge it. All right. Well, in that yeah. case, I'll stick with the Roosters. Then. Yeah, I thought you were about to say he's been scrapped. So I'm, I'm on the borderline, but yeah, it'll be a great game. Looking forward to watching that one. Jacob Saifidi will miss Saturday's stash with the Titans. Yeah, he got two games. Bunty off Foa. Yeah, he's already gone. We went through that. He's gone. Yeah, I'm just going through the judiciary, that's all. I think most of them would have just taken the plea. Yeah. 
It's uh, the odds of that one with Blue Bet. The Roosters, a dollar forty favorite. Good odds there for the outsider and the Sharkies, two ninety five. Minus six and a half is the line. So if you were interested in the Sharks and thought it was going to be a close game, one to twelve, four dollars there with Blue Bet. Tigers North Queensland, the early Sunday game. Tigers got that win, disappointing on the weekend. Got back in late late, missed out, and the Cowboys obviously just gone from disappointment to disappointment. And this is not a place that's been a happy hunting ground like Hutt Oval in the past, regardless of how things have been going. It's generally been an ugly result for the Cowboys whenever they go to Leichhardt. But West, Moses and Bai moves into the centres. Asua Kapoa has been flicked. Tommy Talao moves from the centres to the wing. And Cheekham is the new face on the bench for the Cowboys. Tamalo has been named to return at lock from that broken hand. Maguire goes back to the interchange bench. Tabudai Fado goes from the wing to the centre again with Justin O'Neill being out after a, a head knock. Kyle Felt returns from suspension on the wing. They have not showed any reason, and even with Tamalo back as to why I should tip them yet, I'll be going with the Tigers at Leichhardt. Yep, me too. And uh, hopefully we see some sign of anything from the Cowboys just because it's just not interesting to watch a team get pummeled every week. First and foremost, but I didn't think it was going to just spiral so quickly. But with Blue Bet, heavy favourites again. Tigers, $1.33. Uh, at the odds there, the Cowboys three dollars thirty minus nine and a half is the line in that one, and we finish off with another good game given the form lines right now. Parramatta four from four up against the Dragons who have won three in a row and are ticking along nicely. A good challenge for them at Bank West to close us out there. For the Eels, Madison returns from his head knock in the back row. Papali goes back to the bench. Bryce Cartwright gets named for a debut off the bench with Keegan Hitgrave and Ray Stone, the two moving out to make way. And for the Dragons, Jack Bird returns from his one-game suspension. Braden Williame goes back to the bench and, the bench, and Jackson Ford is out of the side. I'll be sticking with the Eels, but again, this is a good gauge in this para, game to get a look para, para. at the Dragons. And uh, Bank West, always a hard place to go and play, so we get a good look here. And Blue Bet agrees. A twenty-eight favourite are the Paramount Eels. Three sixty-five for the Dragons, minus nine and a half. Is the line there, and uh, we've tipped the identical round. And I'm even for the other two boys. I don't see them probably having a lot different. There's only one or two games there, I guess, that you might have a point of difference on. But I think a lot of people will be tipping a fairly similar round this week. Yeah. But charity bet, thanks to Blue Bet and uh, our choice of charity, Bears of Hope. You like it in it this week? To open the account. I think we've got, to, we've got to have a multi. We've got to have a multi, mate. You reckon a multi, do you? Some sort of multi combination. Sticking it together. This... Yeah, I think there's money to be made this weekend. What do you reckon? What do you got? Warriors, Panthers, Titans, Roosters, Tigers, Eels. Six-legger. You're going to get mental, eh? 663. Oh. Sorry, Warriors, Panthers, Titans, Tigers, Eels, Roosters. Yep, you say six thirty four. Yep. 
I don't know if I'm trusting in all those legs, in all honesty. But something to work with. But we need to get a winner. I know we're only one week in, but got to get on the board. Got to get on the board, Brock, mate. Get some cash coming in for the Bears of Hope. Thanks to Bluebet.com. 100% Aussie owned bookmaker, mate. There's nothing better than True Blue. Bluebet.com. And uh, you put up a little video, I oh, saw, I didn't realise at the time, of us and watching, what were we watching? Big leg wrap. Yeah. After a few brewskis and hoops, and you dropped out your jujitsu comment. My jujitsu. Some sort of jujitsu move. Good mm. value. A couple of people sent through a few smiley faces and found that amusing. They're having a gill, yeah. So that's always good time. Get that on your Sunday night. <sighs> but there you go. That's us for another week. Looking forward to uh, some of the clashes on the weekend, most particularly being at Beer Hill at Panther Stadium. Oh, yeah, baby. Should be a good time, but for everybody out there, hope you had a great long weekend and Easter weekend with family and friends and enjoyed plenty of chocolate, plenty of food, and uh, a couple of days off with a nice sleeping. Unfortunately, back to reality this week, but I guess at least it's a four-day week. That's right. With the Monday off. That's always a positive, and hopefully another ripper round of football. But for now, fifth and last NRL podcast, rate, review, share, like, Get onto the iTunes, keep plugging the podcast, chuck your questions in the discussion page. If you haven't joined already, get on board. Inbox is always there as well. Like I said, with work and other bits and pieces, we don't always reply straight away, but we always do our best. I saw a few questions today, one more particularly around junior contracts, which I think we talked about a bit earlier. That I thought I'd want to reply to that, but I don't have the time just right now. We'll get back to you on a few of those. And uh, Thank you, as always, like we said, to bluebet.com for the charity account. If you're going to bet with anyone, bet with bluebet.com and the Penrith Solar Centre, www.penrithsolar.com.au, or give them a buzz. Jake and the crew there, no one does better solar systems and sorting you out to help you out in the long run with your bills. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.